Good afternoon. Welcome to Left Out on WRCT Pittsburgh. Left Out is the program that brings you news left out of the mainstream media. I'm Danny Slater. I'm Bob Harper. And we're uh, putting together our show finally after a couple of weeks of, uh, of um, you know, partying, party, partying, right? Um, so, Bob, what is uh, what is on the agenda for today? Well, we obviously have a lot to talk about if we want to talk about the results of the election. But then again, everyone has been talking about the results of the election, and I'm not sure how much there is more to say. I think the only thing that to me was a little bit surprising is I can't believe that uh, for some reason in the state of Missouri, last I checked anyway, I'm just going to a website to see what is going on. Last I checked, the vote count was still not uh, satisfied, not resolved in Missouri. So we still don't know who uh, won there. I don't know, probably a dozen. Uh, Missouri is still unresolved, to my oh, knowledge. Oh, you mean they have for not president. figured out for president? They have not figured out uh, how Missouri voted, as far as I know. Uh, so, apart from that, that's about the only uh, the only remarkable thing to say at this stage about the result of the election is that that remains unresolved. Of course, it doesn't matter because of the overwhelming uh, victory by Obama uh, throughout many regions of the country, uh, which is uh, uh, was very uh, satisfying in many respects as a complete repudiation of Republican policies, Republican tactics, Republican politicians, and we're all uh, delighted to be rid of George Bush. After uh, after so many years of suffering, and the Republicans, and the Republicans, and we're slowly trying to pick off a few more. So, uh, as of yesterday, we heard that uh, Eric uh, Begich, I think, is the name is pronounced, is a Democratic senatorial candidate, now senator elect from Alaska, uh, was reported to be uh, have defeated uh, Ted Stevens, the convicted felon, <laughs> Ted Stevens, who was uh, convicted of corruption in the uh, in the in the uh, in his uh, in office or in the discharge of his duties as a as a senator uh taking uh, bribes and kickbacks of various kinds over the years to which uh not a single person was surprised about this um and uh but begich when the count when they got to a certain point in the count there's something like 2500 uh uncounted votes yet and uh he's 3500 uh votes ahead something along those lines and so right. uh, they announced uh they announced right. victory so, so that makes have- it uh that makes it 58 now to uh, senators from the Democratic column. And we have two two to go. We still have uh, the remarkable race between Norm Coleman, the uh, execrable Norm Coleman uh, from Minnesota versus Al Franken uh, running uh, on the Democratic Democratic uh, part for the Democratic Party uh, in Minnesota. They're separated, as far as I know it now, by 205 votes out of approximately 3 million. It was something like mm-hmm. 2 million 900 and th- something right. thousand votes. Right. So the percentage is uh, uh, separating them is uh, uh, difficult to calculate without a calculator. It's on the order of uh, one thousandths of a percent. And um, and so this is going to a recount. Uh, the uh, It's hard for me to understand uh, how meaningful this could be, but I don't know what else they're going to do um, because uh, I don't know what voting te- machine technology they use in Minnesota. Uh, I've heard someone say they do mark sense uh, ballots, uh, yeah, but I'm not heard. sure so, if that's true. So it's possible by hand recount you might get some other votes. Uh, right, but the were- noise, this has to be within the noise. I mean, 
Uh, the point is, right. if you're doing the if you're doing the recon, anyone who knows, I mean, anyone who has any experience experience doing any kind of measurements knows. I mean, at some point, <laughs> yeah. the, it's in the noise. Every time they count it, they're going to get a different number. And 200 votes is well within the noise. It seems right. oh, seems well. to me the amount. On the other hand, you know, uh, that's all well and good. But the alternative, there seems to be no provision in the Minnesota law for any kind of a runoff or any any other way of resolving the. We may as well say a tie. Uh, between the two of them, and so I guess they're just going to have to noodle over and fight over in court over the over the ballots, and uh, eventually come to some kind of resolution. But at the moment, it looks that uh, looks like Norm Coleman somehow managed to uh, stay ahead by about 200 votes, and if that is stable uh, through the recount process, that's a pretty small number. Uh, then um, he will be elected. But as of now, it's uh, not resolved. So, and um, on the other hand, in Georgia, it remains on the Senate remains unresolved, and there's going to be a runoff because the law there apparently is if no candidate gets at least 50% of the vote, then they have to have a runoff election. So because of third parties there, uh, the uh, Saxby Chambliss, the another another charming GOP politician, the one who, um, who uh, demonized the uh, heroic... Um, Opponent uh, six years ago, uh, Max Cleland, who was uh, lost three of his limbs uh, serving as a soldier in Vietnam. We all know how the GOP loves the soldiers. Uh, they uh, absolutely, uh, you know, vilified him and and uh, equated him with Osama bin Laden in order to win. It's really truly despicable tactics. Chambliss uh, deserves to be run out of town on a rail, and I hope that not only will he be defeated, but he'll be tarred and feathered and uh, and sent to Guantanamo. Uh-huh. As far as I'm no, concerned. Bob. You can't you can't advocate torture. You know that's we're against torture. He should be he should be uh, he, he should be get a little taste of his own medicine. Uh, so uh, that's unresolved. So that leaves uh, two unresolved there. And but, but uh, let's talk about Lieberman for a second. Oh because, boy. Well, I mean, first we of all, I to? think the sixty the sixty vote thing. I'm not convinced that is all that meaningful. <clears throat> right. Because if you have senators on either side of the aisle. Who are Only either, a handful flipping over to one side or the other in any given issue, then having 60 is not going to exactly. necessarily mean anything. Right. I mean, if you have 75 or something, then yes. you're, you're pretty solid. But uh, a lot 60, of the, Demo- the difference between 59, 60, 61 is not. Is no, not a it's completely. I don't yeah. think it's significant at all. Uh, but uh, there, people like to make a big deal about that. But the the truth is, you know that uh, uh, you're right. I mean, there's two. There's so much moving around. And Lieberman, of course, is the fine example of the moving around. And actually, Lieberman exemplifies. Uh, well, it's a bit of a disheartening thing. Many Democratic Party voters, those of us who were, uh, you know, hoping for the kind of victory that we did enjoy in this election over the re- re- Republican, uh, the Republican Party. Uh, are very disappointed that someone as despicable as Joe Lieberman, despicable not merely because he's a political crossover, has a different point of view. I don't care about that. That's That can be a legitimate thing. Uh, Jim Jeffords, for example, from uh, Vermont, uh, was uh, in a similar position of finding himself uh, with uh, positions that were out of step with his party, and uh, he changed. I, I don't uh, necessarily object to that. However, what I do object to is Lieberman's tactics in the election, which were the lowest of the low. He was down there in the in the mud with uh, John right. McCain with, the with talking despicable points, the name calling points, name tactics calling. and uh, implications that yeah. Obama is a terrorist and so forth and so on uh, and yet uh, for reasons which we can of which we can only really speculate the Democratic uh, caucus in the Senate has decided that uh, he will retain his position as the chairman of the Homeland Security I mean, Committee. It's, it's like it's like he was. Uh, 
McCain's right hand man during the election. He was Absolutely. on stage with he him all the time. He was campaigning possible. for him. Yeah. One could only imagine what his position might be in a McCain administration. He mm-hmm. could be the Secretary of State. He could be mm-hmm. some some incredible position. So he was playing politically to his own personal advantage. <clears throat> I know. And to, now to the disadvantage he of the Democrats. And just gets, gets, yeah. gets a great. You know, continuing great support with the Democrats. It doesn't make any sense at all. Well, it does make sense if you if you uh, if you recognize that the premise that the Democrats and the Republicans are somehow in opposition to one another in the Senate. Uh, if you reject that premise, then it becomes clear that what's going on here is uh, some other kind of you know relationships and networking and uh, understandings uh, above and beyond uh, the apparent policy differences uh, as stated during the uh, during the election. And we'll find, and we've seen this over the last couple. Of years, longtime listeners to Left Out will recall that after the 2006 election, although we were quite happy with the outcome, I remember saying on the air that, uh, well, after all, it's all it all looks good, but it remains to be seen whether Democrats will do anything with it. And sure enough, as we've seen, they've caved in on every important issue, including right. the the really truly despicable FISA Act, which uh, Obama voted for uh, uh, in this past summer in August. And uh, and so you know you begin to wonder. In in fact, and in fact, it's, it's, more, it's beyond wondering, if you ask me, uh, what's really going on here, because there's so much collusion on matters of fundamental policy, like preservation of the principles of uh, of, uh, of uh, habeas corpus and the most fundamental principles of our legal system inherited from the British legal system right. over mm-hmm. the course of 800 years, uh, approximately. Uh, it's uh, it, it's outrageous uh, to see this happen under a situation where the Democrats were the majority or to have Obama, who was clearly in the lead in the election and who uh, pledged to vote against this bill, to vote for it uh, eagerly, as a matter of fact. In fact, he voted to uh, to uh, to end closure, to to impose closure. That is to end uh, any debate to prevent there being any filibuster. Uh, was the first act, and then voted for the bill. I think when you recognize these realities, I think it's somewhat disappointing. And uh, the notion of uh, big change coming is questionable when right. we see this kind of thing happening. So, one of the examples of that is this guy John Brennan, who's been written about on Glenn Greenwald's blog at Salon dot com. It's a great blog, by the way. I highly recommend that. Um, so this, the, <clears throat> he points out that Brennan is now advising um, Obama on secure, national security and, and um, you know, intelligence matters. Well, it turns out if you look back at Brennan's history, he was one of the people who was pretty strongly in favor, certainly strongly in favor of the, the, uh, the FISA, is the wiretapping bill, and also in favor of using enhanced interrogation techniques, i.e. torture, uh, and so we're we're seeing now the possible you know origin of those kinds of views that we see in Obama now coming out, unfortunately. Right. So that that does raise the big question. I mean, those of us who are from, as Howard Dean, Howard Dean's memorable phrase, are from the Democratic wing of the Democratic Party, uh, have to wonder. I certainly found myself being quite angry in the summer. Uh, with Obama in particular, his vote for FISA. But more generally, I have to wonder, you know, just how much change, whether this is change we really can believe in and what kind of change are we going to see here? Because, um, I'm, I'm, I myself am dubious, uh, what we, uh, what we so, found. Go ahead. Yeah, so so Brennan is a good example. Yeah. 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 Well, <clears throat> one of the things a lot of people have been talking about is the, the implications mm-hmm. of the fact that Obama is a black man. And mm. that is raised in importance to, you know, it's brought up all the time. And what I'm just wondering about is, in terms of policy, is it really important? What is, what, 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 in what way is it important? And I don't see that 
issues of policy, issues of economic justice, issue, those issues, just being black has no relevance whatsoever. I mean, you just look at, look at Clarence Thomas. Um, you have to look at what <laughs> the person... Condi Rice. Yes. You have to look at what the person Colin actually Powell. is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we could go on. Um, Michael Steele. <laughs> yes. So, um, Shall I continue? No. So... <laughs> Anyway, so that's the point that that. Uh, well, but on the other hand, there are significant people have brought it up for Alan Keyes symbolic reasons. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. <laughs> um, no, clearly it has nothing. It has nothing to do with anything, and who cares? Uh, I think as far as the policies well, go, it has in fact, been explained that black people could be empowered by this. Yeah, so there's that, a. That this wasn't an obstacle to Obama becoming president. Therefore, what's, yeah, their, so, what's their obstacle? So my point is, there's a, a meta. There's a meta point, which is nice. The, the meta point, which I think is very symbolic and which I think is very significant for me, and really, to be honest, brought tears to my eyes on election night, was the uh, recognition and reality that the country is capable of electing a black man. So it was really a refutation of a suspicion that it was impo- that that despite everything, despite McCain's colossally, appallingly bad campaign, despite the stupendous failure of Republican policies, that nevertheless there was a suspicion that nevertheless people would be unable to uh, uh, to vote for to vote for Obama. However, that is completely crushed, and so we don't need to talk about that anymore. And I'm delighted to be able to say that because one, right. one it would be and if you uh, noticed, unbelievably depressing to have the thought that uh, people, uh, despite everything, could, still could not bring themselves uh, to vote for Obama. So that's the that's the nice thing. So that's and the there's big a map plus. that we've looked at it shows the <clears throat> the counties where uh mccain got more votes than bush um no, is that uh, right? no the, uh, the, then bush did in the last election yes yeah. and that increased the, their commitment to the republican the impl- party the percentage wise that yeah. this is the racism uh, coming into play and those there's a little thin belt starting starting in southwestern pennsylvania going down through appalachia where that seems to have been uh so Not it's not it's not clear to me whether you can attribute it to raci- racism. So the the fact that Danny's referring to is that um, there was a recently about a, two weeks ago there was published uh, a statistics which showed uh, by coloring in the counties throughout the country where people increase their vote for the uh, for the Republican Party. It's a swath through the deep south. It's, it starts in West Virginia, really southwestern Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Tennessee, Kentucky, Alabama, Mississippi, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Texas. And and then a smattering over in Arizona, there's a there's a very clear pattern of those regions, the northern parts of the South, not the coastal South, but the the inland parts of the South, uh, voting more for voting, increasing their commitment to Republicans. And these are all areas mm-hmm. where people are poor. Uh, are not doing well. So it's, to me, it's more evidence of the Thomas Frank model that what you see there is if you look at the underlying statistics, the demographic of people who increased their commitment to the Republicans were white, uh, Southern Baptist, uh, earning under 30000 a year, high school education at most. Mm-hmm. Okay, so these people are the ones who are getting totally screwed by the Republicans. This is the remarkable phenomenon that uh, Thomas Frank called attention to in his book, What's the Matter with Kansas, is that these are people who have nothing whatsoever to gain from the Republican Party. 
nothing, everything to lose, and yet they uh, double down their vote. Now, you mm -hmm. could attribute some of it to racism. I suppose that must be the case to some degree. I don't know. I wouldn't venture a number. But it's a phenomenon where another way of putting it, which one of our regular left-out listeners pointed out to us, is you can look at this as being the people who are uh, O'Reilly vulnerable, people who don't have the benefit of education, have so little income that they're really just surviving, who have so few sources of information that they're vulnerable to the manipulation of people like Bill O'Reilly, mm -hmm. big uh, professional liars like Bill O'Reilly or or uh, Rush Limbaugh or that type who are just blared nonstop, you know, on AM radio, for example, or on television programs. Um, and it seems that uh, well, it's another good explanation is those people are vulnerable to manipulation with uh, scare tactics of various kinds, including a subtext of racism, I won't deny. But I, I also think it's uh, bigger than that. You know, Obama's going to take away their guns. You know, God forbid they should. Uh, oh, it was uh, apparently it was a gun show <clears throat> recently, and it was 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 just uh, out in uh, the uh, Meadowlands. It was apparently jammed. It was really crowded. I know a guy who went out there. Everybody, everybody went out to buy their in, New, in New Jersey. I mean, uh, no, no, not uh, Meadowlands. Uh, 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 the one near here. Oh, I see. Uh, the, uh, not Meadowlands. Uh, I've forgotten what it's called, but there's it's, a racetrack in Washington County. Yeah, it's a yeah. couple, uh, half yeah, hour I, south I, of I here can't or something. Think of what it's called, right? Yeah, off the top of yeah. My head. Um, yeah. Uh -huh. Laurel. No, anyway, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I was noticing also. I, I've been watching like a show, the Rachel Maddow show on MSNBC, and this is sort of getting to a different subject, which is that since the election, they've gotten, they've really been at a loss to figure out what to talk about, and they're talking about all kinds of sort of speculation about who's going to be in the cabinet and speculation about like for example hillary clinton and whether bill clinton can get out of all of his you know financial entanglements and so blah blah so it's really a kind of boring actually and so uh i I, th I don't know what they're going to actually end up doing but if you listen to like for example democracy now uh there was a superb democracy now i think it was on monday where it's just an incredible contrast to what the mainstream media is doing even the liberal end of the mainstream media uh, they had uh, Naomi Klein on Democracy Now, talking about the the latest developments in the bailout, and she's been exploring this and ex investigating it really carefully, and discovered some really appalling things. Like uh, there was this apparently snuck into the bailout bill was something which eliminated the taxes on mergers of banks. So a whole bunch of bank mergers took have taken place since then that cost the government 150 billion dollars in tax revenue because of this loophole. Hmm. And not only so not only is it costing the government, but the mergers of banks tend to create these banks which are too big to be allowed to fail. So we're just walking right into the trap. Hmm. Uh, so that's a huge outrage. That was one little part of that uh, interview that she did with uh, Democracy Now! on Monday. Um, and then they had Mel Goodman talking about uh, what's going on with, uh, with the Obama directions. Uh, Mel Goodman is a former CIA guy who... Uh, he has a, he's a retired CIA, but he's a liberal and um, a really smart guy. So, But that stuff doesn't look like it's, you know, it looks like Democracy Now! is going to continue to be covering stories which are not even in the new liberalized version of the mainstream media like Keith Olbermann and Rachel Maddow. They're still not going to not going to touch that stuff. Right. That's exactly the point, right? I mean, at, at the end of the day, I mean, much as I love uh, Rachel Maddow, uh, at the end of the day, I mean, she works for a big company and knows which side her bread is buttered on, and there's limitations to what uh, what she can say and how she can react, uh, how she can react to that. 
uh, and what sorts of things can be brought up. And so it seems if you look uh, at this uh, vacuity that you're you're mentioning, I personally haven't seen it because uh, MSNBC was taken off the cable uh, that I have just before the election. And I, <laughs> I don't, wonder why I don't watch enough <laughs> t- uh, TV to be bothered with the, even trying to change my change whatever I have because uh, I can't be bothered. I should really just connect it entirely. But so I can't speak to it directly. But it's certainly true that um, you know that there that the the the, uh, the, the so called news outlets spend most of their time talking about absurd horse race kind of things, basically gossip column stuff like who's up, who's down, who's the enemy of who, who's making nice with who. Right. Uh, oh, isn't this uh, salacious and interesting and uh, uh, blah 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 blah? When it's got really nothing to do with policy. Meanwhile, yeah, the country is being raped by these uh, Republican policies, as you mentioned, for example. And and someone like Naomi Klein is calling attention to this, but no one in the large corporate media that I can tell is talking about this at all. I mean, no one is uh, no one is covering this fact. For example, yeah. the consolidation of the banks, the unilateral and apparently illegal suspension of uh, an IRS tax uh, regulation uh, by the Treasury Department to allow these banks to merge to, by of giving them a tax break for which they had no authority to make this uh, to make this claim. Um, it, I think it's a very uh, very 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 questionable. I mean, and you look at what's going to happen. What Bush is doing? He's really ramping up. It it appears that he's really, you know, going into high gear Mm -hmm. on doing Mm -hmm. everything he can with with the seven hundred billion dollar bailout money, with anything that he's you know has control over the executive orders he's he's signed. There's all kinds of things he's pushing for at the last minute. So. But having complained a lot, I mean, there is uh, some. There are some bits of good news. I mean, one is that uh, uh, Obama had a recorded uh, speech that he gave to the uh, 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 the uh, global warming summit going on, uh, explaining that the U.S. policy would be to support uh, to support the Kyoto Accords and uh-huh. to support other nations who wish to work together to reduce the effects of human human cost effects of global warming. And I think uh, this represents uh, an engagement with reality and facts that we haven't seen for the last eight years. You know, we've had a Republican Party that, uh, uh, as we well know and have commented many times, enjoys uh, an artificial, creating an artificial reality and just uh, flat out denying whatever it is they find inconvenient. Just in exactly the spirit of uh, of, a, of an alcoholic, which is the type of uh, person that we've had for president for the last eight years, is a putatively recovering alcoholic who's in denial about reality. So we're so this is a good uh, good bit of news is that um, that Obama is going to be uh, engaging meaningfully this issue of uh, global warming and and dealing with scientific reality such as it is and such as it's understood. And I think that's uh, that's a that's a that's a very good sign. So um, another bit of news that isn't getting out on our TV airwaves is this uh, new documentary that just came out, right? Torturing Democracy. Uh, that's good. I should put the URL on the uh, on the website. This is uh, very good. There's been. Uh, do you have the link to that, Danny? There's, yeah, uh, I do. There's a nine part, nine or ten part. It's uh, available f- via YouTube. Um, it's actually have- torturingdemocracy.org. TorturingDemocracy.org. That's one word. TorturingDemocracy.org yeah. is a. Uh, I watched it uh, earlier this week. Um, for uh, many of our listeners, it's a really quite a good uh, documentary uh, put together that has been broadcast apparently uh, in some markets by local PBS affiliates, but has not been broadcast by PBS. I think because it is uh, too uh, presumably too controversial. The the story was that. Uh, 
the uh, the <clears throat> chairman of PBS, whose name I can't think of at the moment. I'll look up this uh, link uh, when I get a chance. <clears throat> uh, when pressed to to schedule this for PBS uh, for for broadcast uh, on the network, uh, said that well they were unable to find any room for it until uh, pa- sometime after January twenty first, two thousand and nine. Uh, pointedly, pointedly saying, uh, uh, pointedly admitting that uh, they are subject to political manipulation uh, with their with their pro- broadcasting decisions, which is hardly surprising. I mean, it's uh, not that we don't know that, but it's a very worthwhile, uh, very worthwhile. Thing to to see it's a quite an extensive uh, documentary that really makes clear uh, the process the dis- particular for me what I think is very important is the decision making process by which uh, we came to this point of engaging in this kind of torture and how we came about doing that and uh, and it's a it's a sad chapter in uh, American history uh, that we've uh, that we've stooped to this of which it, uh, I saw a news item um, related to this uh, not a directly related to this but only um, tangentially related to this uh, was uh, came out uh, uh, today as a matter of fact uh, which I will read uh, from Reuters uh, a grand jury in South Texas has indicted US Vice President Dick Cheney and former Attorney General Alberto Gonzalez on Tuesday for organized criminal activity related to the abuse of inmates in private prisons now this isn't related to our our, our, our uh, uh, Guantanamo operation and our treatment of uh, so-called enemy combatants, but it is related to the rampant corruption that characterized the Bush administration of having uh, government policies designed and deliberately benefiting uh, corporate benefactors of the administration, in this case themselves, because Dick Cheney himself, uh, as it says here in the indictment, cite the, the indictment cites a money trail of Cheney's ownership in prison-related enterprises, including the Vanguard Group, which owns an interest in private prisons in South Texas, and former Attorney General Gonzalez, it is said in the indictment, used his position to, quote, stop the investigation as to the wrongdoings into assaults in county prisons, uh, it is said. So uh, this is an interesting development. Um, Apparently, uh, as far as the legal process goes, the indictment, which has been handed down, will go to a judge. It hasn't yet, as of the time of this broadcast, gone to a judge, um, a judge in some form, I'm not familiar with the legal legalisms here, like what exactly has to happen, but apparently a judge has to approve this in some way or accept it or put it, uh, make it official. I don't exactly know what the judge's role is, and the speculation is here it could well be dismissed by the judge. So, yes, that, um, that, that reminds me of a book by Vincent Bugliosi, who's a famous mm-hmm. uh, prosecutor and author. Written many books, uh, actually, well, the bestsellers about, and wrote about uh, Charles Manson. He wrote about a lot of other uh, cases. I know that name. Yeah, he wrote The Sea mm. Will Tell. He, he's, a, he's a brilliant prosecutor as well as a, a great writer. Mm. Anyway, he wrote a book called The Prosecution of George W. Bush for Murder. And uh, he lays out a way in which uh, any, any prosecutor in any um, district, I guess he's not even a federal prosecutor, even a state one, as long as in, in their in their jurisdiction there is a soldier who died in Iraq, that he lays out the way in which the prosecutor could set up a an indictment and a um, you know a trial of George Bush for murder, hmm. lays the whole thing out. So 
So there may be prospects. I mean, it's an interesting uh, possibility. Um, what what I would say, my own personal opinion is, is it's uh, not very likely that the Obama administration is going to uh, prosecute any of these crimes, which I think is uh, which I think is terrible. What what I don't uh, understand is though they they act like it's going to be so distracting or something like that, or it's going to distract Obama. Obama is not right. the one doing this. Right. All exactly. he has to do is the allow it yeah. to happen, and yeah. it, the, the, this this is a it's a big country. More than one thing can happen at a time. And this is why we I mean, have you can a justice just. Ha- Department. You can just have them doing that, uh, right? So, it's well. Uh, it remains to be seen. Right now, we're speculating, but um, uh, it does remain to be seen. But I am not optimistic well, that any of this. There was a long article in um, in, in <clears throat> Harper's Magazine by Scott Horton about um, what he recommends how they approach this, and he wants to have a commission where they collect testimony, collect the facts, allow they they have the authority to subpoena people and so on, and then from that commission. Eventually, prosecutions may emerge or may not, but uh, uh, the first step is to have this commission, which just sort of gets the truth out. evidence, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, of course, I think that's very important. I think it's not likely to happen. I myself uh, believe that there's plenty of evidence of criminal wrongdoing uh, in many dimensions in, the, uh, in our government over the last uh, eight years. Uh, there are many opportunities for uh, criminal prosecution, and those should be looked into, I think of the chances of it happening are vanishingly small but, it, but it's not just about this idea that well oh we we, we don't we want to we don't want to dwell on the past that's not the point the point is if you prosecute people for committing crimes in office then it won't happen again yeah, that's then the, the next time a bush clone uh-huh. gets into power he or she won't you know be able to do this stuff. This is uh, this is this is the central issue, um, and uh, that's why I feel, this is why I'm I'm very uh, uh, kind of disgusted by the, my own thought, my own opinion. W- would that I were wrong, I would be delighted to be wrong on this. Uh, my but, but why I'm kind of disgusted by the thought that nothing really will happen, because then then nothing will change. I mean. Uh, the, this will happen again. In fact, it'll just become the norm. It'll just be the way things are done. You know, on the right. president's whim, we can have surveillance. We can have people being locked up for years without charge, uh, and on and on and on, all the way down the list of all of the crimes that have been committed. Uh, the outing of uh, of uh, uh, Valerie um, uh, Plame, right. or on and on and on and on. I mean, the abuses that were. Uh, the, uh, the 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 uh, the district attorney prosecutions. Uh, the excuse me, the district attorney the, firings the attorney, right. uh, for yes. political for for not engaging in sufficiently zealous political prosecutions. Uh, right. We can go on and on and on and on about the criminality of the Bush administration. I think it's very unlikely that many of these things will actually be uh, will actually come to criminal prosecution. Although, in my opinion, there's ample evidence for these for prosecution and i would personally delight in seeing uh dick cheney and uh george bush and the rest of them hauled off to jail um but uh i think it's not going to happen in my lifetime Mm. (laughs) which means probably not going to happen ever yeah uh, since they're likely to die before i do statistically anyway uh so so those are some that's a bit uh i'm sorry to be a little negative about that but i really don't uh I'm I'm not optimistic that the right thing is ever going to happen and that uh, uh, happen there. But you never know. Maybe maybe it'll surprise us. Yeah. Well, are we. Uh, so what else do we have? Yeah. Uh, what else for do we have here? Today's program. Uh, so uh, uh, this is uh, 
I think uh, I think the main thing that I'm uh, I'm really worried about is everyone is, and although it's a bit of kind of a, a helpless sort of worry, is the state of the economy and what is going to what is going to happen. Uh, there was more bad news today with uh, prospects of deflation. There was the largest ever. A decrease in consumer prices, one percent ever on record, uh, was reported today. Uh, uh, the whole business with the what do you what do you make of the uh, the automobile industry problem and what should happen and what could happen? Danny? Me, I yes. don't, I don't have a clue. Uh, I don't, uh, I don't, I I don't either. I think they, maybe they should be nationalized by the mm-hmm. government wholesale. We should just buy them out. I mean, we start uh, building. Getting them to build useful things. Use that things. infrastructure to build useful things. Yeah, that that's a one possibility. We very readily and easily nationalized banks, but uh, Paulson was on the Hill yesterday, uh, uh, absolutely arguing adamantly against using the money that he's misappropriated already for buying, uh, taking well, equity of, stakes in banks. He was absolutely against using it for anything other than a bank. I guess because well, originally he's he was even against the equity part, right? Mm-hmm. It was he was just uh, originally yes, yeah. but now he's now happily he's using around, it for yeah. that. But he absolutely steadfastly refused it to use for anything other than buying banks, presumably because he's a banker. Yeah. So I think, uh, well, you know. Maybe you know more than I do about this, but a, a lot of people are talking about, uh, like, what happened when Roosevelt got mm-hmm. into power. Mm-hmm. And in fact, he, the lot. New Deal was not the first thing on his agenda. Mm-hmm. It was actually, it took more time. He wasn't that liberal. He wasn't that radical mm-hmm. when he first got in. It took more stuff happening in the economy before he finally realized these radical changes had to be made. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, things. In other words, things may have to get far worse before we yeah. uh, any real action can be taken. Well, it's uh, we are very much now dependent on Barack Obama's leadership in this, and uh, I certainly hope that he has the uh, the foresight and the uh, and the courage to uh, to to do the right thing because. Uh, where we are, the country has been really run into the ground by these uh, Republican policies. I'm for Krugman for uh, Treasury. <laughs> Paul I Krugman. haven't heard any speculation about Treasury. Lots of other well, speculation Summers. going around. Oh, Lawrence, Lawrence Summers. Summers. Lawrence Summers has often which been. Which is yeah. not... Which is no one is very no one on our side of things is no. very enthusiastic about. Well, we'll see. I presumably it won't be very long before we hear. For example, uh, Hillary Clinton may well be named Secretary of State. That's uh, one rumor. Uh, we didn't get time to talk about Eric Holder. There's a former Clinton Justice Department staffer being uh, being his name is being uh, uh, being kicked around as a likely Attorney General. Uh, I get uh, Glenn Greenwald has some good comments on this today. I encourage our listeners to have a look at it. Um, he analyzes uh, statements that he's made in the past. Certainly Holder, uh, about six years ago, was uh, strongly in favor of uh, of denying uh prisoners of war rights under the Geneva Conventions. Uh, I find this really uh, remarkable because, you know, uh, the general public seems to not understand that the Geneva Conventions are not optional because they are a treaty to which we're signatory, which was approved by the Congress. They are the law of the land. Right. It is not the privilege of the president to right. decide no. to disobey laws according to his personal opinion. So, however, but, but Eric Holder sort of however, went, we went do act as though, and Eric yeah. Holder went along with that, we do act as though, unfortunately, and the large uh, corporate media act as though, oh, all these things are purely, you know, optional. We can uh, choose to honor these uh, or not. When in fact, constitutionally, black and white, any treaty to which we're signatory is the law of the land. It is not optional to obey the law, uh, whether you're the president or whether you're not. 
so I think that uh, that principle, I think, is, uh, has been uh, seriously damaged and possibly even destroyed because of the complicity of the Congress, the uh, our our national media, and also right. uh, no, with it's really, the Republican parties. It's, it's completely. It's I, you see it all the time. Fundamental constitutional people principles. talking about doing things that are illegal. Why is that even on the table? Why is that even even being discussed at all? And that's exactly what they were doing in the Bush administration all, all the time, and Congress went Openly along with it. Openly and flagrantly, yeah. And then they go back and, after the fact, make it legal, you know, like with uh, with the FISA offering right. an amnesty for crimes having been committed. Uh, it's out- outrageous. It makes me, uh, makes me see red to even think about it. So, uh, well, I think that uh, wraps it up for this uh, week's edition of Left Out. We wish all of our listeners a happy Thanksgiving holiday. We'll come uh, next week, and we should be back in two weeks' time. We'll thank you again to Darren Guler for producing today's program, and thank you for listening.